Yes, this is a participatory kind of uh, church. You got to talk back. We're, we're, uh, if, you're here, if you're new here and you're kind of just checking us out, uh, man, we just love God. That's why we worship. That's why we stand. Uh, that's why we clap our hands. God gave us percussion instruments. He gave us a, he gave us a voice to, because worthy is the Lord, worthy is the Lamb, and, uh, and greatly is Him to be praised. And so we're so excited that you're here and we get to praise God this morning and that we live in the best country in the world. And uh, we're gonna stand firm in what God's told us to do. We've been called to build this church and uh, we, we get to do this and I'm so grateful. Speaking of, I wanna give a big shout, shout out to our church online family. Can we welcome everyone watching online? Come on church, give us active church welcome. And I wanna go ahead and take a moment to give a special shout, I'm gonna look right at that camera and Mike, Mike, right now, I know you're deployed in the Middle East. Uh, Mike just tuned in. He commented. He said, I'm watching. I'm deployed in the Middle East, in, uh, in country right now, in the Middle East, serving our United States military, serving our country. Mike, we love you. We're praying for you. Let them know that we love our soldiers. We're for you. God is for you. And God is going to do a, a great work today. I believe it. I could feel something in the house this morning. I just know the Holy Spirit's already moving. And so anyways, I just wanted to thank you guys for being here. And uh, you look good this morning. You look good. Yeah, thank you. I, someone, I got a haircut. Thank you. Uh, you know, who has to work out when you can just get a haircut, you know? <laughs> but hey, um, we're in a series called The Daniel Dilemma. And uh, I'm just going to jump right into it. Is that cool? Can we just, I got a lot of scripture today. So get your, you know, if you're taking notes, Get your thumbs ready. I don't know, unless you're taking old school notes, then get your, get your, your forefinger, your, this finger ready and this finger. I don't write correct. My, my daughter told me, she's like, you don't, you don't hold the pencil right. I'm like, really? So I guess I have to go back to fourth grade and learn how to hold a pencil better. But hey, um, we're in a series called The Daniel Dilemma, and we're asking the question, how do we stand firm and love well in a culture of compromise? That's the question we're going to ask. And we, last week we talked about uh, we, Daniel chapter 1. Daniel is an Old Testament prophet, a major prophet. We see in the book of Daniel, it's a historical book, the first six chapters. And the second six chapters are prophetic. And let me tell you something about prophetic. That, that word kind of prophetic maybe freaks some of you out. Like if you're like kind of like when I was 21, I was new to church. I got saved at 21. I started coming to church. And I'm like, are they going to make me do weird stuff? Like, is anyone, are they going to make me like get up and like hold a snake or like where, you know, is, where's the Kool-Aid? Because I'm gone. I ain't drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. I just fell in love with this Jesus guy. And now I have to go be around all these people that I don't know if I trust them yet, you know. And so I get it if, if you're there. But the word prophetic, it, it's, there's a, the reason the Bible brings about prophetic stories, it's because he wants to warn us about some things that are going to happen. In the whole book of Revelation, we see in Ezekiel and Daniel and then the book of Revelation, John's revelation from Jesus, we see that there's like things that are gonna happen that not, have not yet happened. And God's word is, is true. And, and there's been hundreds and hundreds, actually over 200 prophecies of Jesus alone were fulfilled just by him being born on planet earth. So watch this, every single word that will, has been said that will happen in the Bible will come to pass. It's just a matter of when. And we're going to look at this prophetic book and we're going to see how, how do we take some examples from this Old Testament prophet and how do we apply it to our modern day culture? Because I just believe, man, we're getting closer. 
And, um, and I believe God, this is a very timely message. So if you're watching this online, share it with someone. Someone needs to hear this. On the other side of your share might be someone that needs hope, that is feeling uh, maybe scared or fearful in this season. Maybe they're unsure about what's gonna happen with their job or what's gonna happen with the economy or what's gonna happen with our, even our country as we see so much division. We've seen so much you know, discourse and quite honestly, it's, 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 been, it's been quite divisive. And even in families, maybe you felt it in your own family, you just don't bring up certain things. I just wanna encourage you this morning in the house of God, we can, we can look at the author and perfecter of our faith. We can look at Jesus and know that man, he's in control but we can look to the word of God to help us give us some prescriptive methods on how we might navigate these cultural waters. So we're gonna go ahead and jump into the word of God. Um, last week, we looked at Daniel 1. This week, we, we looked at the Babylonian culture. Last week, we looked at how Daniel and his three friends were taken out of Israel and how the, the king, King uh, Nebuchadnezzar besieged uh, you know J Jerusalem and Israel and King Jehoiakim, king of Israel, was taken over and basically they took all the Israelites out of, out of their home into exile into Babylon, which is modern day Iraq. And we see these, this guy, Daniel, who's like a 16-year-old teenager and his three friends standing for God in a culture that did not want anything to do with God. How many of you guys know it takes some courage and some boldness to do that? And maybe you're in that season of your life where you're like, man, I'm... Am I really living for God or am I compromising? And I just wanna encourage you this morning, like whether you've compromised or not, stand firm today for what you believe. And I believe God's gonna do something great. I wanna read to you out of 1 Corinthians real quick. 1 Corinthians 6, 13 says this, be on your guard. Everyone say guard. And stand firm in the faith. You, you, if you read the Bible, stand firm in the faith, standing firm. You won't read the Bible very long without seeing those words, stand. Stand firm in the faith, Paul says to the church at Corinth. Be courageous, be strong. And watch this, it's the caveat. Do everything in love. Everything you do in love. Even when you oppose people or oppose I, bad ideas or bad policies, or even when you say, you know what, I'm not gonna, I'm standing for God in the midst of a culture that may, may just want me to do the opposite of what God wants me to do, so, but I'm gonna do so in love. Today, my title, my message today is this, is simply this, stand firm, stand firm. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. It's true, it's it's useful, God, for teaching, correcting, rebuking, reproving. Lord, it's, it's, it's always true, Lord, even when culture does not agree with it, Lord. And I pray that we would be people, Lord, that would stand firm in a season where it's so easy to compromise, that we would love well and stand firm, Lord, in this season. Help us to glean and to learn and by the power of your spirit, help us to walk out of here changed in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Stand firm. Look to your neighbor and say, stand firm. Glance at your second choice and go, you too. Real quick, you told me to. And then giggle to yourself. It's hard sometimes to stand firm for your beliefs. 
it's easy. Uh, I don't know if you know this. Um, I was watching uh, The Last Dance, Michael Jordan's story, you know, the Bulls, the 90s Bulls. Awesome. Got to have, one time I got to hang out with Horace Grant for like an hour and a half, have lunch with him. And uh, he had some questions about the church and the Bible, and he wanted to have like theological talk. And I was just like, tell me about Michael Jordan. What was, <laughs> we were at Rooster Creek at AG. We were there for two hours. And I remember I didn't, my buddy uh, like set up the meeting between us and I'm like, I wonder if I'm going to recognize him. Like, you know, like, and then like (laughs) I walk up, there's a six foot 10 black man wearing like slacks in a a bull's like uh, collared shirt. And I'm like, there's Horace Grant. Yep, that's him. I'm like, I know who you are. And uh, and I was watching the last dance and I love Horace. Horace, if you're watching, love you, bro. Miss you. Let's golf soon. Okay. Um, But Honestly, I loved watching this, this story of the Bulls, the Chicago Bulls, because it was riveting. They were, they were such a great team. You had Pippen, you had, you know, uh, of course, Michael Jordan, Horace. You had this, this amazing team. And, and yet when they would go play in other places, like they'd play the Detroit Pistons in the early 90s. Remember this? They would go play the, the Pistons in Detroit, and what would happen was when the the Bulls, as good as they were, when they would go and they didn't have home field advantage, home court advantage, something would change. That the Pistons were better at home than they were in Chicago. And let me tell you something, sometimes if you played sports, you know what it's like. When you're not the home team, you get booed. (laughs) People don't like you. you. When you make a point, it's not like, it's like, boo. And nowadays, if, if you look at the culture and you look at Christianity as a whole, I'm not talking about just, you know, uh, I'm talking about the, the, the church in America. We no longer have home field advantage. We don't. It's like get, out of, Christi- get Christianity out, out of schools, get God out of like, even like we don't even want to say the Pledge of Allegiance anymore. That's, that's something that's happened, right? These are all, these are things that happen in our country and God has been removed from the equation. And we wonder, and it's like, don't talk about God. Don't talk about Jesus. Don't you could like right now in Canada, there's a guy, a pastor that j- literally just got arrested for having church. I know crazy, right? And what's happening, not only in our country, but all around the world, we're seeing this narrative that Christianity is a dated form. Even in Canada, if you read the Bible, certain scriptures are considered hate speech. What? Yeah. You can go to jail for reading the Bible in Canada. And what's happening is we no longer have home field advantage, especially in America. We're seeing more and more people turn, not only turn away from Christianity, but they're opposed to the truth of scripture. We're living in a culture where we no longer have the home field advantage like we did maybe 50, 60 years ago. It's changed quite a bit. And in Daniel chapter one, we see these Israelite young men that they come out of, they're out of the Israel, they're out of Israel and they're in Babylon and they don't know how, they're trying to figure out how do we live for God in a culture that says we cannot bow down and worship him. Matter of fact, how do we stand firm in our faith when nothing tells us that we can. And what we're going to see in a moment is King Nebuchadnezzar wants them to worship him in a different kind of way. And I want to pick up in Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. That's 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. Big, huge gold statue, okay? And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had 
set up. So there's an image that he set up. An image, watch this. I want you to see how many times the word image and sound, image specifically, is used. Culture tries to, culture will never say, hey, turn from God, go worship something else. That's not, that's not how the enemy works in your life. He's not obvious. Culture will just set up images that, that will deceive you or pull you away from what you ought to be worshiping. And here's what happens. It says this, so the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. It was a giant gold image of himself. He's like, hey guys, let's have a party to go worship me. And they stood before it. And I don't know what they said when they got up there. Would you, would you look at that? Just look at it, right? And they're just sitting there looking at it. And here's what happens. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. I don't know if that's a her- how a herald talks, but I think so. Is that pretty good? This is what you're commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And the crowd's like, what? Okay, we're gonna, I guess we're gonna, we're gonna listen to this guy. We're gonna worship this, this giant object, this giant gold image. Therefore, watch this. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. What's happening here? If you don't do this, there'll be consequences. I can't imagine a culture doing that. (laughs) If you don't do what we tell you to do, then there's going to be you're going to die. There's going to be serious con- All of your, your whole life is going to be taken from you. You know, this is a story as old as time. Look at the Bible. Bad leaders, bad political systems rise up. People get in power, make bad decisions, force people to do things against their will. And here's what, let's just, we're just reading the Bible, guys. Come on, just relax. And what we see here is that Nebuchadnezzar's like, hey, if you don't worship this thing that I've set up, because here's why, there's a battle for your worship. And the enemy will always use fear to get you to do things. We don't serve God out of fear. We serve God out of delight, not out of duty. We serve God because we love him. Amen, church? We don't, I don't have to, oh God, are you gonna strike me down? Are you gonna kill me if I don't? No, 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 I serve God because I get to. God, I love you and I, how do I get to serve you? I serve you because I want to serve God. The enemy, if you ever feel fear, listen, what, it, what, is, what does it say in 1 Timothy? It says, for God has not given you a spirit of what? Fear, but a spirit of, the new King James says, but a spirit of love, power, and sound mind or wisdom. So if God has not given you a spirit of fear, then who, where does the spirit of fear come from? Maybe the enemy. And who is, who is the Bible say that the, the, who has the world been handed over to? Satan. So we're gonna go somewhere. Just stay with me. I'm gonna give you context. So now we have this guy, King Nebuchadnezzar saying, hey, you don't, guys, I know you're, you guys wanna do your thing. You guys wanna eat vegetables. That's great. But now Nebuchadnezzar's like, you're gonna worship me in this idol I've set up. And if you don't, I'm gonna throw you into a fire. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound, be careful what you listen to, of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, and the harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down, watch this, and worshiped the image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. 
And then here's what happens. Word gets out that these Israelite boys don't, they're not, they're not down with it. They find out and le- watch, watch what the leaders do. They immediately go and they get ahead of the narrative. They get, here's what they say. They go, oh, what's going on? They don't want to worship. So here's what they do. They go, hey, Nebuchadnezzar. These other officials come to him. They say, hey, verse 12, there are some Jews out there. There's some people out there. They, they, they don't like what you're doing. And they're, they're, not, they're not listening to you. They're instigating. They're, they're trying to create a, a narrative. Hey, they don't like what you're doing. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you put in charge of Babylon, remember those guys? You, you kind of, they're your guys. They're going against you. And guess what? They've defiled you, refusing to serve your gods or to worship the gold statue that you set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, pause right there. Be careful, be careful when you're in a, when you constantly look at us and them. Culture's constantly trying to get you to look at them, they, they, they. It's trying to pit us against one another. That's what the enemy does, divide and conquer. If, 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 it, if, if, it's, if it's not a political thing, it's a, it's a vaccination thing. If it's not a vaccination thing, it's a, it's a race thing. It's, culture's constantly trying to divide us. Let's, but look at us. We have every color, every tribe, every nation. We are a, this is a diverse church. Guess what? God is not about dividing. God is about unifying the body of Christ. How many are thankful we serve a God that loves everybody? No matter where you're from, no matter what you believe, God is like, I love you because I love you. And we got to be able to look at culture and go, well, why, is, why is there always a us versus them? Maybe, maybe the culture is trying to do something to us. And here's what happens. It goes on to say, he goes, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a terrible rage, orders Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought before him. Isn't it funny how you used to be able to disagree with someone and be like, well, I just... I politely disagree with you. Agree to disagree. Now it's like, I hate you. <laughs> I'm not going to talk to you ever again. Can we just stop that? Can we be better than that? Come on. Like we live in a great country. And honestly, this is going to divide this. If we, that continues that heart, that divide divisiveness of like, I don't, I don't agree with you. So now I don't like you and I hate you. That needs to go. That does not have any place in the local church. That is not Christ that cancel culture, whatever that is, that is not kingdom culture, come on. That's not grace, that is the opposite of God's grace. That's the opposite of what Ephesians tells us to, to be humble, to bear with another birth. Like that is not what we're called to be. And I see what happens here. He, he gets all upset and he's, he starts getting fired up and he says, is this true? He demanded, oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you're refusing to serve my gods to worship the gold statue that I, is this true? He comes inquiring at least. He's not, you know, is this true? I'll give you one more chance. When the music plays, if you fall down and and worship the statue, all will be well. But if you refuse, Nebuchadnezzar says, if you don't, well then you'll be thrown into a flaming furnace within the hour. Wow. Wow. Could you imagine They're not trying to stand against Nebuchadnezzar, are they? They're trying to stand for their God. Now watch this. We are a church that stands for God and stands for, we believe in God, 
We stand for a God. We stand for the Bible. We're not that church of like, this is what we hate. We hate this, this, this. No, 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 no. That's not us. We are four people, we, but we stand for God and God alone. And so when something comes against our beliefs, like Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, when they're just going, I'm sorry, King. I'm not trying to offend you, but I just can't because I worship Yahweh, the one true and living God. I don't worship you. I worship my God. So I guess we're going to have to back away from this little worship ceremony because this ain't us. And I'm here to tell you one day, I don't know when, one day you will have to make the same choice. Are you going to bow down to culture or are you going to worship God? Now, now here, here's what it says. He says, but if you refuse to be thrown into a flaming furnace and watch this, and what God can deliver you out of my hands then? I want you to take notes of this. This is my first point. Standing firm takes courage. Standing firm takes courage. It takes courage to stand up. And I'm here to tell you something like, not like this is, courage is not someone's like, I'm not afraid of anything. Like you should be afraid of certain things. Like <laughs> if you've ever like stood over a cliff, like there's a reason why your body says back up, buddy. That's good. It's good to be afraid of like falling into a bit, an abyss, right? You don't want to fall into that. But, but standing up to, to, for God, it can take courage. I can just imagine the fear and the trembling that they were saying. They're standing in front of a king saying, I just can't do this right now. Watch this. Daniel 3.16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, oh, Nebuchadnezzar. Watch this. I love their, I love their attitude. They said, we are not worried about what will happen to us. Like, we're not really scared. We're, we're not worried about what, ha what will happen to us. I submit to you that they might've been a little afraid um, because that was a really hot fire. And I believe they had something well up in them that was a faith to be courageous in the midst of a, of a king or in the in front of a king that, could, that was about to kill them. But can I just tell you that this is, this is the difference between someone that's rooted in faith and standing on the, the, the solid rock and someone that's like, it's like the difference between someone that goes to church and believes, believes in God versus someone that is a part of the church and believes God. What do I mean, what do I mean by that? You are part of, if you're a Christian, you're part of, of the big C church. You're part of his, his family. And if you're a Christian, you don't just believe that there is a God, you believe God. And when you believe God and you start standing for your faith, there will become a time when there will be a line that you cannot cross. And you're gonna go, I can't cross, this is my line and I can't do it. And these boys are like, hey, they're like 16, 17, 18 years old. They're like, we're not afraid about what you're gonna do to us because we know, watch this. He's like, we're not worried about what will happen to us. Listen, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is standing firm in spite of my fear. When you read this story, you'll see another principle that you can use in your life. The next is this, standing firm takes faith. It takes faith to believe that God's on your side. The Bible says in Hebrews, it's impossible to please God 
without faith. Like you can't do it. Without faith, you can't please God. Without faith, you can't serve God. Without faith, you can't even, without faith, you can't believe that Jesus actually paid for your sins on the cross. Without faith, you got nothing. And so here's what, it hap- here's what happens. Daniel 3.17 says, if we are thrown into the furnace, watch this, then our God is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us out of your hand, your majesty. So if you're a Christian, it's win-win. When you're a Christian, you're following God, whatever culture's trying to tell you to do, and the minute you say, nope, I can't do that. And someone's like, well, you're just gonna, you're, this, is the, this is the reality. You are gonna be fill in the blank. It takes courage to stand up for your convictions. It takes courage to say, no, I can't go there. And can I tell you something? It's never popular. And it usually will cost you something. There's people right now I'm praying for. I get text messages all the time, DMs, medical workers, firefighters, first responders that are saying, I don't, this is just their opinion. (laughs) I don't want to take, I think everyone should have a choice. If you got the vaccination, praise God, I'm for you. It's awesome. If you didn't get the vaccination, praise God, I'm for you. That's awesome. I think this should be a choice that you make between you and God and your healthcare provider, okay? Uh, (laughs) There's a caveat right there. Um, but, but I don't think anyone should be forced to. I think we're a sovereign people. I think God made us with uh, the ability to choose what goes into our body and nothing should be forced to go into your body. That's my opinion. And I believe that many people right now are gonna have to make a choice in the near future whether or not they're gonna go against. Now, this is not thus saith the Lord. It isn't like First Thessalonians, first, you know, it's like thou shall not be vaccinated. No, 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 I'm not. <laughs> I'm pro-vac. I think polio and all this stuff, great. Science, awesome. Medical breakthrough, awesome. Praise God that kids are not dying from polio. But can we, in my opinion, I believe that people need to make a choice that goes, if it goes against their conviction, I think we need to be a people that go, you know what, I support the autonomy and free will of people so that the government cannot encroach on their rights to what goes inside of their body. Can we just agree with that? Okay, that's my opinion. But some of us are going to have to make a choice soon. And some people are going to have to give up a lot because they're, and this is just, this is not me saying the vaccination is the mark of the beast. I don't believe that at all. So don't hear what I'm not saying. Some of you guys are like, tell them, no, it's not. (laughs) I'm not that guy. But what I do believe is that if you're going to stand firm, it's going to take courage. And it's gonna take faith to know that my paycheck doesn't come from my employer. I get paid for because I work hard and my paycheck comes from God and God, it's from him. I work, I work because I, I have to provide, but ultimately my paycheck might have some employer's name on it, but I do not, everything that I get comes from the Lord. He is my provider. So here's what they say, watch this. Even if God doesn't, watch this, even if he doesn't come through, Please understand, sir, that even when, even then, we will never under any circumstance serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have erected. In other words, culture wants me to, there's a certain point where you say, I can't do this. And if you, even if the consequences are dire, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I can't go there. I will never worship your God. I will never worship this statue. We don't have to be, church, we don't have to be against things. We just have to be for God. We need to stand for Christ. We need to stand for biblical values. We have to stand, not because we're against anybody, no, 
because we want to live lives worthy of the God that called us and, and ransomed us. We don't want to stand against, we don't want to be the culture, the church says, we, we don't believe in this, we don't believe in that. That's not who we are. We just stand for God. And when something comes, crosses that line, we go, no, 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 we don't believe that that's the right way because that's what God's word says. And we're going to stand for truth. Amen? One of the keys to standing is, is this. It's, I'm standing because what my, what my God says through in the Bible. I'm standing because this is my biblical worldview. This dictates morality for me. If you want to read a great book, read C.S. Lewis' Mere Christianity. And he builds a case for faith starting with morality. And he says, in no culture is it celebrated when you run away from your, uh, from your friends, stab them in the back, and become a deserter and a coward. That's not celebrated in any culture. There's a moral standard that comes from God, and we all have it written on our hearts, the Bible says. And he says, without morality, we have no way of saying what's right or wrong. It's never celebrated to literally stab your friend in the back and kill him. It's never, it's like, oh, you're a great person. It's not. But he says, if we don't stand for, if we don't understand that morality comes from a outside of us, that there's a, there's a moral standard, then what he says, what will happen is eventually culture will dictate what is moral and what is, what is right. And if we no, learned anything, morality should not be dictated by what broken human beings feel like in the culture that they live in. I'll give you an example. In certain cultures, in, in Nazi Germany, it was like, hey, we're gonna go ahead and take, round up a bunch of Jewish people because they're dirty and we believe that they're the scum of the earth. And the Nazis rounded up German citizens that were Jewish and took them to internment camps and killed over 6 million human beings because culture was like, well, I guess it's not that bad. Dietrich Bonhoeffer stood up in the middle of that. If you ever get a chance, read his, his biography. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor during Nazi Germany. And he goes, the people would sing as the, as the, the, as the trains were taking Jews by the thousands to Auschwitz and different internment camps they were, to kill them. The people of Christ, the, God, the people of God would sing louder so they would not have to hear the people's cries for help. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer one day says, hey, are we not the people of God? Are we not to stand for truth and justice? And he steps out of his pulpit and he was, he was arrested. And he says, tell my family, I'm going to leave. I'm not leaving. I'm just leaving this earth, but I'm going, to, going to, to live forever in heaven. And he goes and he's killed and he's hanged for his belief because he stood up for those that culture said it's okay to dismiss. If we leave morality up to the masses, the goalpost will always be moving. It, but if we stand firm, guys, can I just, is, are you guys still with me? If we stand for, listen, if we don't stand for something, we'll fall for anything, church. Let's stand for, for, the, for the God that has saved our souls. Let's be people that stand up, not against people that we stand for God. Watch this. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. His face became dark with anger at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He commanded that the furnace be heated up seven times hotter than usual. He's like, crank that thing up. Don't mess with the king, right? Then he goes, watch this. And he called for some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the fire. So they bound them tight with ropes and he threw them into the furnace fully clothed. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire, the flames leaped out and killed the soldiers as they threw them in. This is crazy. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell down into the roaring flames. But watch this, but as suddenly 
as he, the king, was watching. Nebuchadnezzar jumped in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, he goes, look, 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 look. He goes, didn't we throw three people in the fire? Wasn't there three people in there? Wasn't there three people in the furnace? And they said, yeah, we, there was three. There was three young Hebrew boys. And he goes, yeah, we did indeed. Your majesty, well, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men in the fire. Watch this. Unbound, walking around, unheard in the fire, and they aren't even hurt by the flames. And watch this. And the fourth looks like a God. It looks like Jesus was in the fire with those boys. Now watch this. Come on, yeah, that's pretty good. This is called a theophany for you theologians. This is where, this is the appearance of deity before Christ came come to the earth. He used to do this. So sometimes Jesus would be in heaven with the Father and he'd be like, I'm gonna go dip down in the earth sometimes. I'm gonna go freak out Nebuchadnezzar. What up? <laughs> he didn't say that, but he was just in the fire. He's probably like, hey guys, it's gonna be okay. Hey, it's gonna be okay. Now, Daniel, listen, culture, will, the heat will turn up on us, guys. And I get it. Right now, we're, we're, the culture's being divided over things that are not end times, you know. These are not end times related. Like the, the whole vaccination thing, that's, this is something that is, I think, needs to be discussed and needs to be, uh, people need to make their own choices, all that stuff. I, I get that. And this is not the end times right now. I, I think we're seeing a precursor. I think we're going to see... There's lots of things that must happen. There's a political system that has to happen that has to rise up in Revelation 11. Read that. Uh, Revelation 13, there's a commercial system that's gonna rise up where you cannot buy food, you cannot buy anything until you take the mark of the beast. It's 666. Uh, it's in the wrist of the forehead. Read Revelation. It'll show you kind of what to avoid. We're not even, we're not close. We're not there yet, okay? Um, and we would know if we're taking the mark of the beast because the Bible said it's a clear denouncing. You're saying, I no longer want to serve God that I'm, a, I'm aligning with the beast, okay? So if you're like reading Revelation, you're like, are we in the end? No, we're not. We're not. Not yet. I know this is heavy, guys, for a Sunday morning. I get it. But are you guys still with me? Okay. But watch this. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the open door of the flaming furnace and yelled, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So they stepped out of the fire. Then the princes, governors, captains, counselors crowded around them and saw that the fire hadn't even touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed. Their coats were unscorched and they didn't even smell like smoke. That's what God can do when you're in the middle of culture. And some of you guys, I know you live in very ungodly uh, houses. You live in, and, and there's, you go to work and it's like, there's nothing, there's no believers there with you. Maybe you're here and you're like, man, I don't, I don't even have a church to call home yet. Like you need to be around some people that are gonna build you up and help you to stand firm so that we can love people well, but not co compromise in a culture that's constantly pulling on us in all directions. They were unscorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. The next point is this, standing firm inspires others. When you stand firm in your faith, and I'm not saying you don't have to be loud, obnoxious. You don't have to go on Facebook and Instagram either to do this. You know, it's like, like nobody and then my aunt on Facebook. It's like, like her posting like Jesus the devil, you know, it's like fighting. It's like, you don't have to be the person on Facebook that goes and is, 
reposting and retweeting and re-whatever. Like, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is someone that says, you know what? I just live by a different standard. And there's, I'm not against anything. I'm for God. And these are my standards. And when I do feel like I have to make a decision, I err on the side of standing for God and look for truth in his word and, and back it up by, by praying about it and go, God, what is it that you're asking me to do? So for some, it might just be like, I don't go to those movies. I don't know. Maybe for others, it's like you're, everyone's making that joke and everyone's laughing, everyone's looking at that picture and you're like, I just, I, I'm not going to go there. You don't have to make a big deal about it. You don't have to be like, uh, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not look upon a woman lustful. Like you could just be like, you know, I, I don't need to look at that. Standing firm eventually it inspires other people. Other people are watching you. Sir, maybe it's just, maybe standing firm for you just means tomorrow, dad's, before school, just grab your kid's hand and say, hey, we're gonna pray. Before you walk into that campus, we're gonna pray for you. And you just pray for your son or daughter. And you say, Lord, give them strength. And all of a sudden, you're, they're gonna see, I saw crazy statistics about dads that lead their families spiritually, that are going, raising their kids in the church. The percentages of your kids walking with Jesus for the rest of their life as you lead your family spiritually and you pray not just at the dinner table, but you pray at other times of their day. You spend one-on-one -on -one time with your kids talking about their faith. I'm telling you dads, like we have people in active youth next service. Thank God we have student leaders that are stepping up so that our students can know Jesus and live for God in a culture that wants nothing to do with God. Praise God for active youth. Come on, let's give a hand for what God's doing there. But maybe it just means, hey, let's pray for our, let's pray for someone right now. Let's be, can we just be a little different? Like, let's not be afraid to pray in a restaurant. Now, I know what you're saying. Don't be that guy that's like, everyone hold hands. Like, I get it, I'm hungry, bro. But like, let's all, Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus. It's like, no, I, okay, I get that. We don't want to be that guy. But can we just not feel bad about like, you know what, let's pray right now. Father God, thank you for this food. Thank for our waitress, Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen. And then you go back in, like it's nothing. Let's be, let's be a little bit more bold and let's just, let's just stand firm because here's what's gonna happen. I, so often I'll have my Bible out in a coffee shop or we'll be talking about God and I'm like, I'll talk about God anywhere. And, and I'll have people come up to me and go, like it's always an older lady, I'm so proud of you too. You guys are so, I'm, I'm, you inspire me. I'm so glad there's still young men living for Jesus. And I'm like, thank you, praise God, that's awesome. It's awesome. You see someone in the, is walking around and they're, you know, in a coffee shop and they're reading their Bible. You're like, oh, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, cool. <laughs> it inspires me, it builds my faith. <laughs> Especially in the West Coast, man. You go back to like the, the South, it's like everyone's a Christian, but here it's, like, it's a little different. Man, inspire people with what your life says, not with what your mouth says. Daniel chapter 23, Daniel 3:28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defiled the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Wow. Nebuchadnezzar was inspired by these guys' faith. The king, who was about to kill them, throws them in a fire, watches a miracle happen, sees Jesus in a fire furnace, and then says, praise God to this, the, the most high God who saved his servants. 
watch what happens when you begin to live set apart. And I'm not telling you you need to go to, like everywhere you go, oh, I'm a Christian and I love Jesus. No, 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 don't be that. Don't get like a bumper sticker. Don't get like a, you don't need to get a Christian t-shirt unless, I mean, unless you want to rock an active shirt. That's kind of cool. We got cool swag. But what I'm saying is their lifestyle choices are, is what gave Nebuchadnezzar that aha moment that goes, oh, look what they did. Look how bold they were. And then Jesus, God rescued them in that furnace because they trusted in him. Let me ask you this. Are you trusting in the Lord right now with how you're living your life? Are you putting your trust in God or are you fearing man on how you make decisions? Because these guys were willing to live lives and not serve or worship anything except for God. Except for God. And he goes, therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces, <laughs> literally. It's like, hey bro, calm down. He's got saved, but like, he's like, I love God and I'm gonna kill anyone that doesn't. No, 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 no. You need to get a small group, get find freedom. Get a growth track. And he says, pray that they be turned into pieces of rubble, piles of rubble, for no other God can save this way. King, he needs Jesus. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Wow. I wanna come back to one thought. One thought as we wrap up today, and I'll give you a couple points on how we can apply this, but this one thought is this idea of standing, standing firm. Remember, we don't have to be a people that are against people. You don't have to be against a political party, against a people group, against those people. We don't have to be against all those things. We don't want to be the Christian, the church of, here's what we don't believe, and we don't believe, and no, 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 we are for people, we're for God, but listen, we don't stand against people. We stand for God and we're his ambassadors in this place. The Bible says that you are just a, you're simply passing through, that you're a sojourner passing through this land, that we are God's representatives on earth. When we get saved, all of a sudden we're regenerated, we're renewed, we have faith, we have the Holy Spirit, and then we get to be the representatives of God's love here on earth. We don't have to stand against people and go, you, you, you. We just have to go, man, I serve an awesome God, and let me tell you about who I serve and why I live this way. Number one, stand in prayer. This is pretty obvious. Stand in prayer, Ephesians 6.11 says, put on the full armor of God so that you could take your stand against the devil's schemes. Put on the full armor of God. Why? Because we're in a battle. Ryan, you can come up. We're going to close this out. We are in a battle. And guess what? If you have kids, the enemy's after your kids. Culture wants to rob your kids of their, of their purity, innocence. He wants to steal it. He wants to take it. That's why we've seen a sexualization of youth in the last 25, 30 years, it's, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. I'll, watch, I'll be watching Disney Channel sometimes with my daughter. I'm like, what in the world? No, we're not watching. <laughs> Delete. What's going on? The, the world is trying to steal our kids away and try, try to take things away from the innocence from our kids. So we are in a battle. So what do we have to do? We have to put on the full armor of God so that we can take your stand. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. Don't be a passive Christian. You don't have to be a boisterous Christian, a mean Christian, a loud Christian. You don't have to be the guy at the pier, at Pismo Pier, that yells at people and tells them they're going to hell. Don't be that guy. And if you do, just don't tell them you go to active church. Don't tell anyone that. Yeah. <laughs> just say, God told me to do it. 
Ephesians 6, 13 through 14, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. It's like this idea that we, we ought to be standing for something. Like you, you should stand firm, church. Christian, you should stand firm. Don't be embarrassed by your faith. Don't be embarrassed about your God. You serve the living God. He saved your soul. He's done everything for you. You should be proud. Like, you know what? I'm a Christian and I serve the living God. And you know what? I don't always feel like God's for me, but man, I know by faith that I serve a good God. How many of you guys know we serve a great God? I just, that's what I believe. I used to, I'll close with this story. I, in college, I was, I was trying to figure out how I could make money and, and my buddy Jeff from church is like, dude, you should come sell Mercedes Benz with me. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I know the owner, like work tight. He's like, you should come sell cars. You'd be great at it. I'm like, I'm not gonna be a car salesman, bro. He's like, no, you'd be awesome. I'm like, well, I love cars. So I was like taking classes in the morning till about one o'clock. He's like, I can get you all the evening shifts. That's when I work, we're, we're gonna crush it. And I'm like, all right, dude, I'll, I'll check it out. So I went and I applied and I got a job at Mercedes Benz and I was actually really good, but here's why. I was just stoked about cars. I was like, this car is awesome. I was like, check this out. This is an S class. Like I would just be, I, I love cars. How many of you guys like cars? Guys like cars, right? Yeah, three of us, okay. <laughs> Girls, you like cars? Anyone like, okay, cool, cool. All right, two of us. Two of you. Um, <laughs> so anyways, Mercedes. So I'm there and, uh, and I remember like I did it for one year and I was pretty good at it because, you know, I just like people. And it, with a Mercedes, like what color do you want and what package do you want? That's it. And it's like, it's a Mercedes. It's, it's a great car. Uh, and so I remember one time um, Jeff was like, hey man, I was a new Christian-ish and he's like, hey man, do you wanna pray before our shift? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I remember I was kind of getting fired up and it felt really weird because all the other salesmen were like, what are these fools doing out here praying? And they would make fun of us. They call us like Bible thumpers. They, they call this like, they call this bad words. Uh, but I was like, you know what? We're gonna pray. And so we would, Jeff and I would go out there before every shift, Jeff Kirby, shout out to Jeff Kirby. And Jeff was on the worship team at my church and Jeff, we would get out there and we would throw down. We would just be like, Lord, we thank you for it. We would pray for our bosses. We'd pray for, we'd pray for people that were gonna come. We'd pray for our coworkers. And every single, every single shift, we'd do this. And we did this for probably two months and no one would be out there. And then every single week after about, about three, four, five weeks would go by, there'd be one guy would come and the next guy would come and then Steven would come and then Ryan would come. And all of a sudden we had people meeting out on the pad where we had like two Mercedes Benz like set up all cool. We called it the pad. We would circle the pad. We had like every single guy except for one dude named Henry wouldn't come and pray with us. Praying for you, Henry. If you're still alive, I don't know. You're pretty old back then. It was like 14 years ago. And we, sorry. And we'd pray. And guys would talk about their kids. They would talk about their wives. 
they would talk about their ex-wives and they would be in tears. One, I remember one, one guy's daughter was in the hospital and we rallied. Remember we sent flowers to the hospital? I mean, we rallied and God, because we stood for prayer, we stood for God in an ungodly work environment. And though everyone in that, when we left, everyone's like, man, we're gonna continue to pray here every single shift. Why? Because when you stand for God, I'm telling you something, you can impact your culture. I'm not, you don't have to be a weirdo. You don't have to be someone going around, you know, praying demons off of people. You could just stand firm in your faith and go, you know what? As for me and my crew, we're going to stand and we're going to pray to the living God. And God can use that. Number two, stand for purpose. Stand for purpose. All hell will try to come against your purpose. You have a great, great gift in this life. God did not make you on accident. He made you for a reason, for a purpose. And everything, it, it, God's got such great plans for you, but you'll never see what it feels like to make a difference in the lives of other people until you start understanding what your purpose is. That's why we do the growth track every Sunday. First three Sundays, every month, we do the growth track. Get involved. Get, understand what your gifts are. Understand how God wants to use you and make a difference in other people's lives. And the enemy will constantly lie to you and tell you that you're not worthy to use your, you're not worthy. You hear that? You're not worthy. You can't do that. And so many of you are believing a lie. The enemy's saying, you can't do that. You're not worthy. Well, join the club. <laughs> Because every single time, I, I don't feel worthy to do this. I don't. And the amount of times I wanted to quit early on, I'm like, oh, this is too hard. But I'm like, no, God, this is my purpose. You've called me to do this. And every single time, I, we're in a season right now, I can't tell you all the details, but man, we're making progress. And every, I mean, I'm telling you, when you, when you, you know you're going in the right direction, when you start feeling the enemy come out, knocking on your door, giving you hurdles to jump over, trying to sabotage you every single time that I'm, we're in it, my wife and I pray for us. We're just in a season, I can't talk about it right now, but I'm just believing that God is gonna come through as we stand for our purpose, as we stand in prayer, and as we believe him to do the impossible. I'm just telling you, just stand for God, even when it feels like your purpose is being attacked. Stand for God. Therefore, Corinthians says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Watch this, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And finally, stand for God. Why should you stand for God? Well, here's why. Because he stood for you. He stood for you. Can, can, we do, can you do me a favor? We're going to end in worship right now. Would you just, out of reverence for God, would, would you just, if you can, would you stand to your feet right now? Just stand, stand to your feet. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the suffering of the cross. What was the joy set before him? It was you. It was me. God loves you. He believes in you. He's not done with you. Some of you barely, you dragged yourself in a church this morning. You're feeling depressed, anxious. You, you didn't even want to talk to anybody when you came in. And then the music started playing and you felt the presence of God. And now the word of God is doing what it does. It never returns void. It's, 
It's, it's, it, it goes out, but it never comes back void. And, and right now, I just wanna encourage you to, to hear this, that Jesus stood for you. And the Bible says that, man, one day, one day you're, you're gonna have to stand for him. Here's what the Matthew 10, 32 says out of the message. Stand up. Stand, Jesus says, stand up for me against the world opinion. And watch this, I'll stand up for you before my Father in heaven. Because if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before God. But if you don't, if you, if, if you don't acknowledge me before men, I won't acknowledge before the Father. In other words, when you stand up in this world for me, man, God stands for you. There's, we know that Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. The word says that in Colossians. But there is one time in the New Testament that he stands. One time, it's really cool. You wanna know the one time that God stands up we see in the New Testament? Here's the only time we see in the New Testament. It's in Acts and there's a guy named Stephen. He was the first martyr. There's been millions of people that have stood for Christ and, and been killed for their faith since Stephen. But Stephen was the first in chapter seven of Acts. And here's what it says, Acts 7, 55 through 56. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, watch this, and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God as he's being stoned to death. He's being murdered for his faith. He stands up and he says, I'm not gonna back down. I believe that Jesus, I know what I believe. And he's literally gotten boulders dumped on his head. He's on a pole and he's being killed. He's being murdered for his belief in Jesus. And he sees, he goes, look, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Do you wanna know when God stands? When I stand for him, Jesus stands for me. When you stand for God, Jesus gets up and goes, yep. They get it. When you stand up and say, I can't, I can't, whatever your convictions are, you say, I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna do that. I don't, I'm not against that person. I'm not against those people. I'm just gonna say, you know what? As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. And I can't, I'm just, I stand for God. When you stand for truth in a culture that wants nothing to do with God, I'm here to tell you, God looks down and he stands for you. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for every single person in this place. I thank you, Lord, that your spirit goes. May we be people that stand for truth, Lord, when we, would it be easier to be discouraged? Wouldn't it be easier to go, you know what? I don't even wanna enter into that. May we be people that stand for you, God. Lord, let us be bold, Father God. I pray for boldness to well, rise up in this place. I pray your Holy Spirit would move in a mighty way right now, God that you would strengthen your church. Lord, that we be people that stand for God. We stand in prayer. We stand for our purpose. We stand for those that are hurting. We, we, we stand, Lord, for truth, Father. And the Lord, when we may have to make a decision, when we're tested on whether or not our, our faith actually goes from our, from our mouth to our hands and feet, would we be found faithful in that moment? Because Lord, the day does draw near. And there will be a time where we be tested. And Lord, it's my job as a pastor to shepherd well, to speak truth, even when it's hard. In Jesus' name.